0: Today's episode of Star Wars Bookworms is brought to you by Tops. Take a journey across the Star Wars saga with a sneak peek at Star Wars The Last Jedi by visiting tops.com to pick up an incredible selection of Star Wars trading cards today. For even more collecting fun, download the Star Wars Card Trader app, where you can collect and trade cards from 1977 to The Last Jedi. The entire Star Wars galaxy is in the palm of your hand. Download for free now in the App Store or Google Play. Did you see my YouTube video?
1: You had a YouTube video?
0: Yeah, I made a porg face. Just for you.
1: Oh. Did you oh, did you do a trailer reaction video?
0: I did. I've never done one before. But I was kinda of bored. And I really wanted to interact with people while the trailer was coming out. Because, like, for Rogue One and for The Force Awakens, I think I was podcasting with Steve Glosson. But he wasn't going to this time. And so I wanted to do something. So I did a trailer reaction video.
1: How did it For go? the new
0: Last 2 trailer. I think it was okay. I mean, it didn't make it onto the Star Wars show. But well there's a lot of people doing those
1: videos so (laughs) i didn't watch i actually didn't watch your trailer reaction video i'm sorry i'm not one of the clicks
0: that's how good of a friend you are
1: (laughs) i didn't watch any if it means anything i did (laughs) i tend to not i did watch the highlight reel on the star wars show of all of the ones mashed together but i didn't watch any individual trailer reaction videos
0: I mean, if you don't want to watch it, you could still click play and then just, like, do something else, you know? Just so you, so get, the, get, a, you get the get the view would be nice. Yeah? yeah? Okay. I mean, it would be helpful just for my own sanity because I want to feel important.
1: Yeah. Uh, not really.
0: No! Okay, so when did you actually watch the trailer for The Last Jedi?
1: I watched it that night. I didn't watch it live. I was doing something else, but I did get around to watching it later that night, so...
0: Okay, so what what were your thoughts? Um, Biggest, oh wait, wait back, up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Okay, okay, what? Okay, okay. Biggest like, takeaway from it,
1: go. Biggest takeaway, okay. Well, I didn't do, like, trailer reaction video aside, Like that's something I don't think I would ever be able to do just because it's like the idea of somebody watching my face react to things is just, I don't think anybody really wants to see that. But, like, my way of I doing do. trailer reactions is through <laughs> Twitter. So, like, I tweeted out a number of my own reactions because that's just my for- more, a, a form of communication I'm more comfortable with, I guess. But uh, let's see. Biggest takeaway? I think my biggest takeaway is I don't believe anything I saw in the trailer.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Me either.
1: <laughs> like, I feel like the entire thing was just this big this big misdirect
0: the whole thing, the entire thing.
1: Yeah. More on more than one account. Like I think there are like four or five different things they're trying to make us think that aren't actually happening. Um, it didn't, it felt different than any Star Wars trailer we've ever gotten before. Like darker, weirder. What? No, I just had a different feel, a different tone to it. Like I, I feel like Star Wars trailers we've gotten previously, especially for, um, The the Force Awakens were very, they just didn't give any detail. It was just like, here's this cool shot of X-Wings. Here's a cool shot of Finn. Here's a cool shot of Rey. But it's like, you can't get any context. You don't know what's going on. You're just seeing these cool images and getting really excited about Star Wars. This, I felt like they were trying to like give us a little bit of the story. They're like, like okay, here, this character's gonna be up to this. This character might be up to this. This character might be killing this character. This character might be joining this character. Like, it's all these like possible plot points, and even if they're misdirects, it's still they're giving away something. Whereas I don't feel like Star Wars trailers previous to this really ever gave away anything. So.
0: Hmm. That's interesting because I feel the complete opposite. I don't think they gave away anything. I think that it was just all really cool imagery, like the Force Awakens trailer. What I do think they did though is they did tie a lot of stuff to Anakin Skywalker and Darth Vader. They tied a crap ton of stuff. There are so many scenes and imagery in there that are directly like reenactments of scenes from the prequel trilogy or other things.
1: Yeah, scenes that were meant to kind of mirror. Yes. Other things, I mean which there's there's in so Star much Wars. stuff. Well, yeah. yes,
0: but it but specifically looking at anakin right you know so i don't know i just didn't really believe anything i saw except for maybe that finn is going to be fighting phasma and that's amazing
1: yeah that's definitely happening which i think actually is my favorite scene from the entire trailer that the them facing off and clashing weapons was kind of the most exciting visually stunning scene for me
0: Oh, see, uh, so mine is when Rey, like, splits the ground with the Force.
1: And Luke gives her this, like, what?
0: Yeah, this kind of, like, oh, my gosh, you know. And then, of course, it goes right into that line about raw power. But we don't, one, we don't know what he's talking about. And even more so, we don't know who he's talking to.
1: I'm going to tell you something very bold. What? That may surprise you. Hmm. I don't think I'm going to like Luke in this movie.
0: I don't think a lot of people are going to like Luke. I
1: don't, and this is a big, as a fan of Star Wars and a fan of the character of Luke Skywalker, I don't think they're going to go a direction with Luke that me as a Luke fan is going to ultimately be happy about. I'm okay with it. That's It's not my story. I'm not telling the story. They can tell whatever story they want, and I I think I'm going to really like what, whatever they decide to do. But it's not what I would have hoped for for the character. And maybe it's another misdirect. And maybe they're just kind of giving us a version of Luke that's like kind of, you know, he's not there yet. But right now, after seeing this trailer, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm not loving what I'm seeing from Luke, but I really love what I see from Ray. So I'm like, maybe the torch is just going to pass and I'm just going to have to become a bigger fan of Ray and lesser a fan of Luke.
0: Okay, so I have a couple of things. And I don't speculate too, too much, but I have two kind of big ones that sort of are around. I know, right? That are around Luke. Okay. Okay. One, I think he talks to Force Ghost, and I think that one of the Force Ghosts is going to be Hayden Christensen as Anakin. Wow, that's a that's stretch. one.
1: Okay.
0: It's actually really not, because... Are you reading
1: spoiler sites?
0: I'm not reading spoiler sites, but you do ca- inadvertently catch things on Twitter or whatever. Okay. And I think that... I think it's inc- entirely possible. So is that or like a big like, theory like
1: rolling a, around?
0: I... I would have no idea because I don't get on spoiler sites. I just happened to see something that gave me a thought that like, that could be a possibility or Qui-Gon Jinn. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, there is an image in it. I don't remember if it's the poster, but Darth Vader's helmet lines up directly with the shape of Luke. Like if you look at all the posters, for all the movies there's a looming like vader sort of thing happening on all the posters and this one does the exact same thing only it's you know luke's head or whatever
1: right like the bad guy looming in the background correct yeah
0: and this is just a thought what if what if luke does is not the hero we all want him to be what if he ends up being bad
1: i think it's very entirely possible that luke will not be the hero we want him to be but i don't think it's because he's going to turn bad in fact i'm very and not this isn't even just a wishful like oh i really don't want him to i just don't think they'll do that i just it would be an interesting twist but i think even the fact that they did put him in the movie poster with kind of a more dark visage and the hood, kind of, you know, the black hood and stuff. If they were going to make him dark, would they reveal it like that on the poster? So I think it's just another kind of tease, misdirect, where they're like, ooh, maybe he could go dark. I really don't think there's any possibility that Luke's going to be a dark character. There, we already I have think... Kylo Ren. We already have Snoke. You know, they're the bad guys of the film. I don't Snoke's think Snoke's a need joke. To... I don't know. Do you saw how he was... He was... Uh... Doing what wo- doing what that oh, you was,
0: assume was him it was completely you, him they show a scene know. where they're both
1: in the same frame and he is like force something and she's bent over backwards and she can't handle the power
0: you don't know you don't know no one knows really <laughs> well, what we'll really have to do is come back to this trailer after we see the movie
1: <laughs> and then see how wrong we were about everything exactly no it, the cool thing about these trailers is it gives you something it gives you something to think about something to talk about i mean we're really close to you know we're just a couple of months away now from actually actually being able to see this movie which is going to be awesome but trailer like this there we can only we can only guess and there probably are a lot of things that are mr x and you know we'll see yeah
0: now did you get tickets
1: of course yes when are you going I'm gonna do the the special 6 p.m. fan event showing. I just I don't know if it's gonna be worth the extra money I paid for it because they weren't cheap. But I I signed in when the tickets went on sale and I was like I'll go go after those first. And if I get them, I get them. And if I don't, I'll go after a, t- a seven o'clock showing. But I did end up getting them, so I'm gonna do a six o'clock, uh, 6 p.m. fan event. They're supposed to be giveaways and and all that stuff. So.
0: Are you going with a group of people?
1: Yeah, a small group. Um, I think I got six tickets, eight tickets. I don't know. I, I Usually what I'll do is even before I check with people, I just buy like six to eight tickets because I I know it's not going to be hard to convince people to come see Star Wars with me. So I think I got six. So I'll, I'll find five friends to come with me.
0: So what you're saying is you're rich and you bought a bunch of tickets for the fan event, which were not cheap.
1: No, (laughs) not rich, but yes, I did buy a lot that were... Are you
0: going to ask for reimbursement? (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) People have to pay for their tickets.
0: Well, we got tickets too. We're going Thursday night. We have to go later because my brother and Greg both would go, but they don't get off work until late usually, so we can't do early shows. So I think it's like 9.30 or something for the first one at a Regal Cinema... And I actually got a free poster. I need to redeem that code. And then we also have tickets for the Alamo Drafthouse on Friday night as well. And then just as of a couple of days ago, a friend of mine from the My Little Pony Jedi is coming to Austin because she is from here originally. And she wanted to go. And we were looking at the Drafthouse. The only things available on Saturday were 8.30 in the morning or 1230 at night. Oh, wow. For a group of, a, you know, a decent size of people, some of her other friends. So we're going at 830 a.m. So I will see it Thursday night, Friday night, and Saturday morning.
1: A breakfast showing.
0: <laughs> a breakfast showing.
1: That sounds similar to what I did for The Force Awakens. I actually have not purchased anything beyond just that initial showing, but I probably will try to do either a Friday or Saturday showing as well. So. Well,
0: I hope this movie doesn't suck. Let's just put it that way, because I'm going three times. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Committed. All right. Well, I do have to talk about one part of the trailer that I know was really your favorite part. You just don't want to tell anybody. Oh, gosh. It was the Porg.
1: <laughs> There's so many things to be, I could say. Wait, to, be,
0: to be honest, I wasn't expecting to see a pork in this trailer at all.
1: I, re- I wasn't either.
0: I really wasn't. I was expecting to
1: see maybe Rose or some more Poe or even some more Chewbacca.
0: Poe had a great line, though. He did. He had a really great line. Yeah.
1: I just felt like there's a lot of things they could have showed. But no, they gave us a Porg.
0: They did give us crystal foxes.
1: Yeah, crystal foxes.
0: Those are cool. And I am curious about them. But the scene with the Porg was interesting because I wasn't expecting it. But at the same time, weirdly unconsciously, I have been wondering why my toy screams. You know, my Poreg toy? And I haven't really been able to figure it out. I'm like, is that just the noise they make? Because it also makes other noises, like little cute small noises. Now I know why. Because one of them gets stuck in the falcon and he gets scared when, when Chewie's flipping around the falcon and he screams.
1: See, I just saw it more as he was doing his best Wookiee and imitation. Like, Chewbacca oh, does his roar I mean, and then the Porg is kind of like trying to be like like his buddy.
0: Yeah, maybe he's like a little dog, you know, that wants to be like tough and big. And he has his new Wookiee friend and so he wants to follow along. Right. And he's like, maybe he's like secretly saying, let's do this or something in Porg speak.
1: Maybe, yes. I yeah. And just for the record, because I know we talked about this before. And I don't know if I explained myself well. I don't dislike Porgs. I dislike all the attention <laughs> the Porgs have gotten. I'm cool with Porgs. I think I'll probably like them in the movie. They're going to be funny. It'll be comedy relief. I just don't understand the hype.
0: I don't know. It's something for people to get attached to because we haven't had anything. You it's know? kind of
1: like how BB-8 was, I guess, for The Force Awakens. Yeah. But at least BB-8 was kind of like a main character. But I don't know. I just feel like that's probably the Porg that Chewbacca is going to eat.
0: He's not going to eat a porg.
1: And we'll, we'll,
0: see. we'll see. <laughs> Depressing over here. Jeez. He's not going to eat a porg. Sorry. 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 I don't, sorry, know. Sorry. We'll I don't know. I don't know. But... All right. Well, moving off of that, Star Wars Rebels officially started today. We are not allowed to talk about it, though, as we record this, because Aaron hasn't watched part two of the Mandalore arc. What's that called, by the way? Do you know what the episodes are actually called? I really don't know what they're called.
1: The titles of the episodes? Yeah. No, not off the top of my head.
0: We know that it's the Battle for Mandalore. We know from the end that of Season 3 that Sabine was wanting to go back and help her family. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about it here either because I know some people probably haven't seen it. But we did get to see the first episode of Season 4 at Star Wars Celebration Orlando. And then my first time viewing the second episode was last night around 4 a.m. And I couldn't sleep. I, I'm not crazy. I didn't just wake up at 4 a.m. to watch it. It was <laughs> just all by accident. Although I probably am crazy. So I did watch it. And I cried a couple of times, Erin, during... Really? Not like, not Don't like, give me oh, my Don't God. Give me away. Don't give me anything I'm not. Away. I'm not. I'm not um, but not like tears of like, Oh my God. And now they were just streaming down my face, but sort of just very emotional tears of how strong the episodes were. Like they actually got to me. Huh? So, and that hasn't happened in rebels in a little bit. And so I was very impressed and tears car did an amazing job. Really?
1: Well, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I'm, after the first episode that we saw at Celebration, it was kind of like a cliffhanger where they were leaving us like not sure mm. what was going to happen mm. and some pretty dark things were happening, I think, at the end of that episode. So I'm really excited to catch it. I just have not had time yet, but I will make time at some point tonight, probably after we're done recording, to, to check that out. And I'll probably watch them both back to back as opposed to just watching the second part.
0: Yeah. Well, if you have an Apple TV, right? I do. So just get the Disney Now app because the Disney XD app no longer is functioning. So get the Disney Now app, which encompasses all the Disney, watch Disney shows apps all in one. And they have all of it on there. So yeah. you can watch them back to back.
1: That's good information. I did not realize that Disney XD app was no longer working.
0: It is no longer working. You need a Disney Now account, and then you can pick all your favorites on it. It's kind of cool. So like you can pick Freemaker Adventures and everything else that you like, Spider-Man uh even like kids like the shows your kids like and stuff you can favorite all that stuff it's very cool it's very nice. cool but if you want to hear us really talk rebels you can listen to Disney Vault Talks Rebel Yell we are going to be recording our reactions and Aaron will he's a part of our Jedi council he will be on that episode with us as well so we'll make sure in our Star Wars Bookworms Facebook group and on Twitter to post that episode when it is available
1: all right yay and there was just one news item that i wanted to mention before we jump Ooh, can into, i say it can i say it before we jump into our book review yeah go ahead
0: we are getting two non-canon characters that will officially be canon now because ron howard said so named tag and bink <laughs> I don't know anything about these guys. Two of them. Like, you sound are, very excited. You wouldn't know. Tag and, and Bink. I, <laughs> I like their names.
1: Tag and Bink, yes. Um, tag and bank. Unexpected. I mean, if you were to guess what uh, characters maybe from the old Dark Horse comics might be the first to get brought into the official film canon, I don't think these two would have been at the top of anybody's list. But I mean,
0: are they important or are they no, prominent? Just, are they basically like, gives there was a trap? like what are they
1: with the Dark Horse comic run? There was a short series. I think it was called Tag and Bink are dead. So it was it was this series that was basically these two characters that were just kind of background characters, but they went through all these crazy events and ran into the main characters throughout. So kind of like what was happening behind the scenes that you weren't noticing um they did a couple different like standalone issues they were part of the Star Wars Tales run and then i think they collected all of their stories into one you know one book that you can actually get through Marvel now marvel republished it but they were it was a really popular kind of thing it was just all comedy not a serious story at all and mm-hmm. um it was written by Kevin Rubio and yeah so I liked it. It was fun stuff, but it was definitely not anything that was ever seen as part of the canon. Even before legends got wiped away, it was always just supposed to be kind of a fun side story. So Tag and Bink, uh, but they, you know, they had they had their fans, and obviously the filmmakers of the Han Solo movie were fans, so they slipped them in. Now I don't know if we can expect anything more than a background cameo, but it is kind of cool that they made it.
0: Well, the one thing I did find is that John Kasdan, who you know is Lawrence Kasdan's son, he said, "I'm a huge fan." This is on Twitter. He said, "I'm a huge fan and had to get them in there, and then had to play it myself with Toby Hefferman to do it justice." So John Kasdan is playing Tag, and the first assistant director Toby Hefferman is playing Bink. Hmm.
1: Yeah, when I saw it come across Twitter, I had to, I did a double take, and I, and I was actually thinking this can't be real i thought it was just somebody joking around but no it was actually ron howard that that posted this thing on twitter so i mean who who else would be uh more legit than that so i kind of hope they get at least like a named cameo so you don't just see them walk by and then people in the know are like oh that's tag and bank like if they actually say the names tag and bank in the in the movie that would be pretty cool
0: yeah yeah no that would be awesome
1: but yeah. So Tag and Bink. I don't really
0: have anything to, to add. I mean, Tag Tag and Bink. I mean, I don't know who my favorite's going to be. Bink maybe cuz his name's, names. Bink. <laughs> <laughs> I really I don't know what to do with this. It's cool though, but you know, maybe like a trailer or a poster or You know what I think? I think that the Han Solo movie is being completely reshot. That's what I think. <laughs> it seems to be taking a long time for he only had to do like the last act.
1: Yeah, it it is interesting all that's going on around that movie. But I do like Ron Howard. So do I. And he seems like he's really having a lot of fun with it. I like how he's posting this stuff on Twitter. We've gotten a lot of little, little teases here and there, but nothing too crazy. Uh, but just enough to keep us interested. So I I think whatever the finished product is going to be, no matter how rocky the road is to get there, I think it's going to be a fun movie, and I'm I'm actually really looking forward to it.
0: You're so positive. Yeah, I try to be. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's take a minute before we get into our discussion of Inferno Squad with a little note from our sponsor.
1: Yes, we said, right at the top of the show, you probably heard that Tops is actually sponsoring this episode of Star Wars Bookworms. With this uh, ramp up to The Last Jedi, and they have the physical cards that are out right now, and they also have the Card Trader app, and so I kind of recently have gotten back into it, and I actually, typically I would just do the Card Trader app, but I was like, I'm going to pick up like a few packs from Target. And so I did go out and find a few packs just to kind of open up the physical cards and I do it with my son and he enjoys like looking at the pictures and things like that. So, and the cool thing about the physical packs is they actually, and I think I'm right about this, every pack has, has at least one insert in it. So, uh, the digital apps a little bit different where you have in the the way it all works is, is kind of completely different. And sometimes you can pull a lot of different packs and not get an insert. But with the physical cards, you always get an insert. So it's pretty cool. I got like a Finn card. I got a First Order card. Um, so yeah, I got some pretty cool inserts in the physical pack. But then I've recently been trying to jump back into the digital stuff as well. So yeah, kind of reinvigorated the card trader stuff with this movie coming out. Well, that's cool. Well,
0: in the new card collection, that's The Journey to Star Wars The Last Jedi, This is about typical, the number of cards that they have. There's 110 base storyline cards that will take you on a journey across the entire Star Wars saga, and then they give you a sneak peek of The Last Jedi, but nothing that's going to really mess up the movie for you. Right. Uh, After the movie comes out, they usually do another line of cards that's going to be The Last Jedi, and it'll be all spoilerific. So this is your journey to Star Wars The Last Jedi, so you're looking at a base storyline card collection of 110. Now, do they have the different colors?
1: Yeah, they do have the different colors. I got a couple different colors of the base cards when I was pulling them. And there's a card I saw, Teresa, that you would actually really like. You might, actually, you might actually go out and start buying the physical packs just to see if you can get this. But they do these patch cards. Mm-hmm. And one of the patch cards is a patch of a pork. But it's like this real kind of like It's not like, it's kind of hard to explain, you have to see the image, but it's almost like an icon version of a Porg, so kind of very simplified. I think you would like it. And Chewbacca's on it, too.
0: You, yeah, so there's like the patch cards, there's sticker cards, there's like holographic cards usually. There's all kinds of stuff. And then there's, of course, ones that are drawn and illustrated and signed, so that's always cool. And there's like, I think they have like 30 different actors and characters that did autographs for this line, so... Real yeah, cool. I think I
1: even saw Hayden Christensen did a did a <gasps> signed card.
0: Well, if you check out the Star Wars Card Trader app, you can collect like so many cards. Uh, Aaron, you can see my account. How many cards do I have?
1: You have like 22,000, which... Yeah. And I see? believe I have somewhere in the same range of cards too. So It's crazy how many... Yeah, you're right. We both went a little crazy on the digital we, app back in the
0: day. We did. We, we did <laughs> back when it first started. It was pretty crazy. But you can, if you want to... Attempt to trade cards with Aaron, depending on how much he's playing it. What's your fan name for I'm them? I'm A
1: Goins on there, so I will be starting to open packs and try to start collecting the inserts. So yes, if any if anybody's out out there is trading, uh hit me up.
0: I am Ice Cold Penguin on there, but I'm currently not logged into my account until I can get that fixed with Tops. So uh, I'm sure I have a lot of trades sitting there, people wanting my really awesome cool cards because I do have some awesome cool cards. <laughs>
1: But yes, yeah, so you can find the physical cards at retailers everywhere, and you can also get them on Tops.com, And then, of course, the app. You can download it at the App Store or Google Play. And I think we're ready to jump into our book review, which is a book that I've been kind of... We've both read this a while back, so its it's been a bit. But I'm excited to talk about this one with you because I think you liked it a lot.
0: I actually did, and I was really afraid I wasn't going to because I thought it was going to be very military and that it was going to be hard for me to read turns out nope. i like it
1: you like it yeah so this is a uh, star wars battlefront 2 inferno squad and publisher was del rey author christy golden and this was released july 25th 2017 so it's been out long enough for us to talk full spoilers so we will and there are some spoilers here um, mm-hmm. and we have the publisher summary here can i do it
0: do you really want to do it
1: I don't know. It's, I, you usually do them, so every once in a while it's nice.
0: That's you, man. I'll take whatever it. You wanna, right. Whatever floats your little Aaron heart.
1: Alright, so the Rebellion may have heroes like Jyn Erso and Luke Skywalker, but the Empire has Inferno Squad. After the humiliating theft of the Death Star plans and the resulting destruction of the battle station, the Empire is on the defensive. In response... To this stunning defeat, the Imperial Navy has authorized the formation of an elite team of soldiers known as Inferno Squad. Their mission? Infiltrate and eliminate the remnants of Saul Guerrera's Partisans. Following the death of their leader, the Partisans have carried on his extremist legacy, determined to thwart the Empire no matter what the cost. Now Inferno Squad must prove their status as the best of the best and take down the Partisans from within. But as the danger intensifies and the threat of discovery grows, how far will Inferno Squad go to ensure the safety of the Empire?
0: Dun, dun, dun.
1: So, um, the first Battlefront book, which was Twilight Company, completely different feel than this book.
0: Yeah, and it was written well, just like Christy Golden wrote this very well. Alexander Free did a great job, but it was much more military, which is why I thought this one was going to be like that.
1: Yeah, that book was completely like soldiers on the ground in the trenches battles um what you would expect from a book titled Battlefront um this one <laughs> <laughs> Battlefront 2 I was expecting a similar thing and then re- as soon as you start reading it you realize although it does open with a, a pretty major space battle after that it kind of diverts into something completely different the formation of this squad and then they're kind of almost this covert operation which kind of harkens back to the old Wraith Squadron books, mm-hmm. uh, more than like more than Twilight Company. Um, so yeah, it was it was unexpected, and I won't say that I didn't like it, but it definitely wasn't what I thought I was getting. Hmm. But okay. Christy Golden though.
0: Yeah.
1: Which and I know we know, both I... are big fans of uh, Dark Disciple, so.
0: Yeah, I was excited for her to have another book, and again, I was sort of skeptical of it, but you know what? Iden Versio is pretty cool, and some of these other characters were pretty awesome, and they went some places I didn't think that they were going to go. So I thought that was pretty, pretty interesting. Now, I do like how they tied in this book. I like how they tie it into actual movie events, and that's happening quite a bit in the novels now. To where things that we've already seen in the films are like happening while the books, the stories in the books are happening or they overlap or whatever, it makes it really easy to sort of get into it because you're already into it from the movies. Yeah. So I thought that was a really cool tie in thing.
1: Yeah, it kind of reminded me of how Lost Stars was in certain parts where you're like, okay, I'm seeing this a very familiar scene from the movies from somebody else's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, And I like it when they do that. You're right. They're doing that a lot more in these novels and especially the opening scene with Aiden and she jumping into her TIE fighter and she's going out into the battle of Yavin and even just her perspective on everything as she's talking about like the trench run and like, Oh, why are these rebels like flying through the trench? That seems like a weird thing to do. Yeah. And it's like, you're sitting there thinking, oh man, she she has no idea what's about to happen. Um, but yeah, I just loved, that was maybe my favorite part of the entire book was just that opening scene um, to kind of get everything from the TIE fighter pilot's perspective.
0: Yeah, it, you know, it was funny because I'm just thinking in my head, well, this is about to happen, this is about to happen, you know, and I don't know. You know, I liked that, but I didn't love that.
1: Really? Because I like the tie-in.
0: Yeah, I like the tie-in because it helps my mind wrap my head around what we're dealing with. Okay, so I like the tie-in. I just don't know if I liked how clueless she seemed at that moment. But then I guess it's probably accurate because they didn't necessarily know that the Death Star plans were stolen. But at the same time, they did know. That the Death Star plans were stolen,
1: right? Like maybe she should have thought that the Death Star was a little bit more vulnerable than it was, um, or maybe not be as surprised when it went up. Is mm-hmm. that what you're saying? Um, yeah. yeah. The and the, for me as a fan of all things Rebels and good guys, it was interesting to set up because Iden is the protagonist, you know, in this story. She is the the focus character. That you're supposed to kind of follow and um and like the character but the entire opening scene where she's going around shooting down x-wings and y-wings and taking a lot of pleasure in it i was like i hate you i hate this this girl like i do not like her at all i don't want her to even live through this battle you know as when the death star blew up and there's all these pieces of the death star flying around and she's talking about how she's gonna die I was not going to be upset if she did. Mm-hmm. Because she was, to me, I, she was Imperial. She was the bad guy. Um, and I know that the, that's you're supposed to read it from the Imperial perspective and, and see it from their point of view. But I was having a hard time with that, especially in this opening scene. Because I was thinking, man, that, that was like a rebel pilot she just killed.
0: Yeah, it is kind of hard. But we have been getting a lot of these Imperial viewpoint books so i feel like we should be used to it
1: yeah it's definitely and you knew what you're getting into with this book anyway so it wasn't like i didn't know that was going to be what i had to read but it was still especially in the opening scene a little bit hard to wrap my head around um and i don't think it ever went away for me in the book as i'm reading it i never got on board 100 percent with this character because i could never get on board with who she was fighting for because mm-hmm. ultimately she's fighting for the bad guys no matter what her good intentions might be
0: well and i can see how that would be hard for you because you really are just such a good guy well <laughs>
1: <laughs> you I like, really
0: don't have like a shred of like loving the bad guys at all
1: i i like to read about the bad guys as long as they lose in the end <laughs> i know you just don't like <laughs> that's
0: what i'm talking about
1: <laughs> But no, I mean it, and it's cool to get these books from time to time. you are um, so
0: light side.
1: But yeah, but Aiden and she was a cool character too. That's the other thing. Like I really wanted to like her. I'm like, oh, maybe she'll defect or like she'll become a rebel or something. Oh she was, God,
0: she no. was. A, she was a really that cool. That would totally character. destroy her character.
1: Right. Yeah. But um, we did ask for you know on our Facebook group we had we had put out that we we're going to be talking about this book. So we did get some comments from some of some of our listeners. But I, have I, did... to,
0: I have to read this one.
1: Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
0: so, Bria from Tashi Station, she's awesome. And she has a cosplay of Aiden Versio. And in all caps, she says, Aiden Versio for impress.
1: <laughs> yep. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I knew it was coming. And her Aiden Versio costume is really good. Yeah. I don't know if the costume is the right word. Cosplay. Sorry. Yes.
1: Sorry, Bria. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was just... As soon as I saw that comment, I was like, okay, that's enough. That's all Bria needed to say.
0: That's all she needed to say, yeah. So you officially really don't like the bad guy point of view. Like you really just really don't like having to read a book like that. You don't mind reading about the bad guys. You just don't want it from their point of view.
1: The thing I struggle with is when I'm supposed to try to or when I am supposed to be okay with what they do. They try to make mm-hmm. me like a character that's bad. Like, and I know we haven't talked about Phasma yet, but the Phasma novel for me was a lot different because Phasma, although she is a, a point of view character in that novel, she's bad throughout that novel. She's a bad character. Um, and I like that. But when I read like Thrawn or when I'm even reading this book and they're trying to be like, oh, well, they're bad, but they're kind of good. And that's when I'm just like, eh, I like it more black and white, I guess.
0: Yeah. So, but you like Quinlan Voss and he's gray.
1: Yeah, but he was a Jedi. Yeah, you know, so? it's a bigger conversation, I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> maybe I make exceptions. But <laughs> um, but no, I mean, and I'm not even saying I didn't like this book, because I did actually really like this book. There were a lot of things about this book I liked. Um, But I'm never going to be like, oh, I'm a big Iden fan.
0: Yeah, you just struggle with that.
1: Because especially, like, as some of the things that happened toward the end of this book kind of sealed it for me that man i'm just not on the side of these imperials i just never can get behind their their cause Mm -hmm. true
0: well speaking of point of view brian espinoza said i thought it was a very good book it was great to see a book from the other side of the star wars universe and the commitment of the characters and the dedication to get the job done at all cost and i think that's kind of what you have issues with is that (laughs) that Mm -hmm. whole thing (laughs) So well, even
1: at the beginning where it was like a couple of the things that Aiden said, I was kind of rolling my eyes at because she was talking about the destruction of Alderaan and she mm-hmm. was like, "Well, all those innocent people died because of those rebels and all this stuff." I'm like, "You blew up an entire planet. Like the rebels aren't to blame for that. The Imperials are to blame for that." And then she's freaking out when the Death Star blows up because then she calls the rebels terrorists. And she's like, those terrorists took out this station. I'm like, at least they attacked like a battle station and not an innocent planet. I had a lot of like, I had a lot of big reactions to just the first like <laughs> few chapters of this book. I'm like, no, you cannot, like you blew up Alderaan.
0: Uh <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right, well, let's talk about some of the tie-ins with this book to other things. So there's actually an article on StarWars.com that is 10 Things We Learned from Battlefront Two Inferno Squad. So one of the first things, talking about tie-ins, Aiden's mom, Zhe Versio, was an artist known for creating propaganda for the Empire. And some of her art can actually be seen in, or is mentioned in Star Wars Propaganda, A History of Persuasive Art in the Galaxy, and a Hollow Holonet News Special Report um, from Alton Castle. So that propaganda book ties in.
1: Nice. That's cool. Pretty cool, huh? Cool information. Cool. I did not know that.
0: <laughs> and then Star Wars the Star Wars annual number one took readers inside Arth Eno prison complex on Coruscant which is the Imperial prison so that's actually um, another tie-in from this book now they do mention Jetta in Inferno Squad but they mention it as like this thing that happens it was you know like an accident They don't actually talk about the fact that it was, like, the first test of the Death Star. And I thought that was interesting that they didn't, or that they mentioned Jeddah to begin with. So, cool tie-in. But I guess they kind of have to because they were talking about Saw.
1: Yeah, they did talk about Jeddah And and they talked about, Iden was talking about how she was happy to see the traitorous Jedi group or whatever um, taken out. And then she was talking about the Kyber temple being taken <clears throat> out and how happy she was about that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so they called it a mining explosion. That's what I, they called
1: it. I believe that was the the official word of what happened there. But I think Aiden does refer to it um, like she was in the know of what really happened.
0: Yeah, so it was only certain people right. actually really
1: knew. But yeah, there was that was a cool tie-in to just even to mention Jeddah, I and mean, we got Saul. You know, we got them mentioning Saul and things like that. So
0: now the black market headquarters that they mention in the book. So to get themselves in with the partisan group known as the Dreamers, they have to put one of their members, Sin, on Ator's hub. She's the slave. So what's Sin's last name? Sin. Mirana. Marana. So. O'Tor's Hub is a space station that was introduced in the Clone Wars, the Sith Hunters, in uh, Legends. So that's where it was originally put in. And then it also makes an appearance in Dark Disciple. Interesting. And then makes an appearance here.
1: That's a deep pool there. I know. I,
0: I found this article after I read the book and I thought it was pretty cool. Let's see, there's something else, there's some other stuff, I know there's some stuff specifically to, alright, so, Captain Lasa Rhyme, who is from the pirates that they encounter, you know, because they're taken by pirates or whatever. Right. Uh, we met her in a Star Wars Insider short story called Kindred Spirits, and she was in Dark Disciple, and both of those were written by Christy Golden. So oh, nice. she's kind of tying in some of her other characters. There's a family of kagi warriors in as part of the Dreamers' partisan group. and their first appearance of the alien species is in Star Wars, the Clone Wars episode Bounty. And they were also in Marvel's um, in the Canaan comics as well that not those specific ones, but the right. the species itself,
1: right. Yeah, they were a pretty pretty big part of the the Dreamers group, which the Dreamers group in general was just kind of an interesting thing because it was not the Partisans, but kind of a continuation of the Partisans. Mm-hmm. And we got to know the Partisans really well in Rebel Rising. Yes. Before Saul is dead, um, but we're but we and we also got to see Staven, who was a big part of Rebel Rising because he was part of Saul's group. Right. Um, but then he went off and started his own thing called the Dreamers. Um, pretty small little group, and the the Inferno Squad ends up infiltrating them. But that's when the book kind of starts to get really interesting.
0: Yeah, that's that's probably the best part of it is when you get to there, and Staven actually mentions Jen in right. just not by name, but he mentions mentions her. And he is in a conversation with Gideon Hask, and he says she was very good at forging things. And that's when you hear finally hear a mention to Jin, which is obviously from Rebel Rising. So you get to hear about Staven in both of these books. So Rebel Rising by Beth Revis, and then here. But I agree with you that the most interesting part of the book is... At this point,
1: yes, because it kind of starts out and they're, you know, they form form the group and they go on a couple little missions here and there. But then, when they get the idea of starting to infiltrate the Dreamers, is when it really starts picking up, and they, you know, kind of put themselves in these situations to be recruited in, um, and then you get to meet the different characters in the Dreamers, and it's it's this is where you kind of get to see. Because the Dreamers aren't really the Rebellion. You know, the the Partisans mm-hmm. and the Dreamers, they're kind of an offshoot. You know, they're still fighting the Empire, but they're not, like, officially joining the, the Rebellion. So whereas the Rebellion might kind of, you know, be a little bit more careful and, you know, hold back on some of their tactics. Like, these guys just don't care about, you know, kind of the collateral damage. Mm-hmm. Which we got to see that in Rebel Rising as well. Um, so that was when I was really starting to get interested because I'm like, wow, this feels like almost like a sequel to Rebel Rising.
0: Yes, and especially even more when we get to this last major tie-in. So I want to talk about The Mentor.
1: Ah, The Mentor, yes. So, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) Well, we had talked about this off-air, but I know you had said you were kind of surprised by the the reveal.
0: I wasn't surprised by it. I was just like, this is awesome. I was excited. (laughs) It wasn't surprising.
1: You weren't surprised by who it was?
0: Well, I mean, I didn't know who they would pick. so And it's not like I had any thought process of who it could even be. I don't do that. So it was, I mean, I guess maybe it was a shocker to me because I'm like, oh, what a cool character to bring back in. But I'd never really given it much thought as to who they would pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know when they first introduced this character, the mentor, Um, I was trying to imagine who it could be. And I mm-hmm. had a couple different things in my head, but one of the first ones that popped into my head was Lux. Just because they were mentioning Stila a lot, and Saul, and kind of the events around that. And so I was thinking, okay, Lux was there, and he would be right about the right age. Um, and I think based on a lot of our Facebook comments, a lot of people kind of saw it coming as well. But uh, um,
0: Well, I guess you would have to know, remember more of the Clone Wars than I actually remember. Right. I honestly if I I mean and I love the Clone Wars TV show but I could only a, tell you about maybe like three or four episodes of that show <laughs> I'm right, sure you could do more context but yeah no I couldn't I really been, couldn't
1: it's been a while you know that show has been a while it does it does deserve a rewatch.
0: watch mm-hmm.
1: yeah but um so were you excited though because I know Lux you know he played a big part in in a few of the episodes of the Clone Wars and you know, with Ahsoka, he was pretty close to Ahsoka, and then the whole thing with Saul and Stila, and that whole Onderon rebellion. Um, So were you happy, is this a character that you were happy to see kinda come back?
0: I don't know if I can actually answer that question, because I don't really remember much about Lux. I mean, I remember who he is, I remember him, I remember him more of having a interest in Ahsoka, Mm -hmm. than an interest, like a love interest with Stila. Because right. I don't I don't remember the episodes that well. So I would actually have to go back and watch them, and then I would probably be like, oh, okay, you know. Right. So I thought it was cool. The only thing I really didn't like about the Mentor's character is they just kept – it was just so abstract the whole time, even once we found out who it was. It's like if you haven't seen The Clone Wars and you don't know anything about Lux, they just left you hanging. They didn't tie anything together of like – who he was actually with and who his daughter would be and, like, anything. Like, they, they just left you there. And if you don't know who Lux Monteri is, it wasn't
1: helpful. Right. Yeah, I think if you're a reader that hasn't seen The Clone Wars, you probably would have been left left wanting in that moment because you'd be like, oh, well, mm-hmm. uh, who's this secret guy? And then you, they're like, oh, it's Lux Monteri. And you're like, who? <laughs> you know, uh, because he isn't a character that, re, you know, kind of resounds beyond the Clone Wars animated series. And they you're right. I and I guess as somebody that kind of does know the character, I didn't even think about the fact that yeah, they didn't really fill in much of his background for people that aren't familiar. Mhm. And there was some confusion with the whole you know, there's a goddaughter, but then there's a stepdaughter, you know, and like I was kind of getting confused as to like if it was the same person, which it's not the same person. So yeah, there was there was a little bit of confusion
0: yeah I mean because it made you want to tie those things together to figure out who is who you know just to fill out the family tree if you will Yeah. and they didn't give you the information to be able to do that now I do want to mention really quick the article that I found on StarWars.com is written by uh, a good friend of both of ours Amy Ratcliffe so you can find her at Amy underscore geek um, for all the awesome stuff that she writes on StarWars.com
1: nice um, and then, yeah, so when we're, we're talking about the goddaughter and the stepdaughter, I guess what it turns out is his goddaughter is actually a character who was in Rebel Rising. Right. Which was a character who died in Rebel Rising and ended up giving her gloves to Jin. So that's the the gloves that you see Jin wearing is actually from Lux's goddaughter. Um, and then he also had a stepdaughter who ends up in the Empire and he was using her to get information and that's why he knew where the best targets were. So... Yeah, there was there was all of that going on, but I did find it a bit confusing. I had to kind of, after I was done with the book, and me and you kind of talked about it a little bit, and then I went online, I was trying to research, uh, trying to figure all the details out. Now I feel like I have a good understanding of it, but it wasn't something that I picked up just reading the book. I had to actually go back and kind of do a little bit of research.
0: Did you find the name of the girl from Rebel Rising? Because I don't remember her name.
1: Um. Yeah, let's see. What was her name? I had it here just a second ago. Um, Maya. Mm, uh, was mm-hmm. she was one of the partisans? And didn't
0: she have a brother?
1: I don't remember if she had a brother that was mentioned, but I know she was. She was a character that um. That does end up dying. I believe Jin even sees her die.
0: Yes, I I remember that. Yeah.
1: So. Yeah. But a, lot so, of good, a lot of good tie-ins, and I think uh, we actually had a comment that I thought was was interesting um that is something i hadn't really thought about and this was from andrew uh kinstetter Mm -hmm. and i'll just read his whole comment here but i'll tell you what i uh, what i was specifically thinking about but he says i thought the book was great christy golden once again did a fantastic job she presented a compelling story from the bad guy perspective one that i found myself immediately invested in and i was rooting for the empire over the dreamers which made me enjoy the book and not just get through it. Christy Golden showed the humanity of the Empire. I really love the heist scene at the wedding as the first mission, the Inferno Squad, goes on together. I also really love the whole idea that that this book is essentially part of a series of stories. And so this is kind of what I was getting at um, as far as uh, this kind of series of stories, an unofficial series of stories. And he says... One thing I miss about Legends was the story arcs that lasted for books. Inferno Squad is part of the canon equivalent to that. And so he lists Catalyst, Rebel Rising, Rogue One, A New Hope, and Inferno Squad kind of as a series um, that takes a wider story arc and plays it across novels, YA novels, and movies. It's an awesome way to present these story arcs and have them not just simply be standalone stories, which is something I never really thought about. But although these are all standalone novels, you can really, like, if you read them all in in a certain order, it does almost feel like a series.
0: But in a way, we've talked about this. We've talked about all of the tie-ins between the books and the films now, and So it does make sense. It's just putting – it's just reframing what we've already said that we love about the new canon that everything seems to tie together and weaves and there's Easter eggs hidden in everything because they all weave together. Right. And so it is the, the exact same thing. But this one section of time does make an arc. So starting with Catalyst, moving to Rebel Rising, watching Rogue One, watching A New Hope, and then reading Inferno Squad, if you were to do all of that together, you would create that similar story arc to Legends. Now, you can't do that with everything. Everything doesn't have that same arc, but this particular time frame does. They have really filled in this area of the timeline.
1: Yeah, and it, it's really, it's been cool to see you know things like rogue one clone wars and the films all tied together cuz then now when you go back and rewatch some of these things or reread some of these things it, it it kind of knits together a little better and certain elements mean a little bit more
0: right and for us you know obviously that are doing star wars bookworms and for you guys that are listening you're all book fans but i can also understand the frustration that is out there in star Wars fandom about the fact that like, if you don't read the books, then you're basically lost because they don't in some of the movies and stuff like they're not filling in, you know, you have to piece it together yourself and to take, let's take Jen for an example of a character. A lot of people had trouble connecting with Jin, myself included. And then once I read Rebel Rising, I was like, oh, awesome. But for those people that are just movie people, it's making things a little frustrating, which I
1: can understand.
0: But since we're not just those people, yay us.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's always been the advantage of if you do decide to dive deeper into the universe with the books and comics and, and even the animated series, you will make the universe a little bit more rich which makes the movie viewing experience better but mm-hmm. I do think the movies on their own do, do stand alone really well um, I didn't watch Rogue One like leaving there thinking oh wow I have to now read like three or four novels to really appreciate that movie I love that movie without the novels but reading the novels just made it even better
0: right but there are people that did mm-hmm. you know and yeah. that's, the, that's the thing is that you know, we're just lucky that we really enjoy reading all the books and stuff. And so we're getting that experience where there are some people that aren't, yeah. I guess. Well, let's talk a little bit about Gideon Hask and Del Mico. So I started off really liking Gideon Hask and wanting there to be, like, love interest between Gideon and Aiden. And then Gideon just kind of turned into this obnoxious moron. <laughs> I just was like, never mind.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think they were probably the most boring characters for me. Um, they didn't
0: start out boring, but then they became. Now Del Miko, I did enjoy because he had—he was almost normal, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah, he had. Like, his he was moments. still
0: imperial, but he had some really touching moments, and especially with Piacal.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, his his relationship with Pia Cal and kind of his interest in the research that he was doing, um, made made Delmico a more relatable character than I got from Gideon.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I although I do still feel like those two characters are kind of more boring. Once we were introduced to the Dreamers and some of the characters there, I got more interested in the in them. And I was and I always thought Aiden was really interesting, so I liked her throughout. But these two guys were kind of just there. I was like, eh, you know, not neither of them really stuck with me that much."
0: Yeah.
1: And True. then what happened? So, which one, I'm forgetting now the details on kind of how it goes down at the end. Um, was it Gideon that just basically killed everybody trying to impress Aiden? What? At the end when when he kills like all the dreamers that were left.
0: No, I think that was that... They, it was, well, I think it was Gideon, but sort of a combination of Gideon and Dell, but definitely Gideon. He, it's not, I don't think he was trying to impress Iden. I think he was just like, I've had enough of this.
1: Yeah. And maybe impress know, and isn't the just, right word, but he let's was Let's just basically... get rid
0: of everybody. And he just like kills off everyone, which was definitely not the plan. I don't think Dell necessarily agreed with that. I think part of it might have also been retaliation for Sen being killed at the hands of Aiden because Aiden kills her.
1: Right, but not like almost like not on purpose. It was like accidental, but Sen. It wasn't
0: accidental, it was it was on purpose, but it was on purpose for the mission.
1: Right, yeah. Yeah, it was all like at the end it got pretty tragic. And even like Like a character like Pia Cow, where you were like, oh, wow, this guy's just trying to like do sciencey things, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and then he dies and you're just like, oh, man, like I would have liked for him to maybe get out of that situation. So it got it got pretty dark and tragic toward the end. Um, There was
0: no way for any of those any of the dreamers to get out of this situation. I mean, they it wouldn't have done them any good.
1: Yeah, it just was I kind of felt bad for certain characters that I didn't feel like necessarily deserved. it. Like when somebody like Staven dies, you're just kind of like, okay, he knows what he knows what he's signed up for. And, you know, it kind of just happened. But somebody like a Pia Cal is just like, oh, man, that sucks. It did.
0: Now, the death of Lux was very interesting because I didn't mm-hmm. sort of drug it out in order for her to gain understanding, which I thought was really interesting. And I really like that about her character. And she did what needed to be done, but I don't think she really wanted to do it.
1: I don't. Well, I don't think she killed him. Mm. I think they. Leave it's true. It, I think they leave it a little bit open ended. That's I think true. They definitely they do leave it open ended. Lead it to a point where you're thinking she's going to, but then at the end, they they give a little hints as to the fact that he may have still lived. And I think if this book sees some sort of a uh, continuation, I think we may see some more lux.
0: Yeah. It's very possible, you're right, I'd forgotten about that. That there was. I think she confides that in Dell. Doesn't she?
1: Yeah, I don't think they, like, straight up say it. And I even tried to, like, research it a little bit to yeah, see. Yeah,
0: they didn't straight up say it, but she says
1: but something she to him. Yeah. She yeah. definitely hints at the fact that she might not have actually. We know she pulled the trigger, but we don't know if she actually shot him.
0: Well, she did. It just might have been on stun.
1: <laughs> right, that's true, too. Um, shot him in the leg.
0: <laughs> well, she probably stunned him, but.
1: Yeah. So I mean in the end I really I did really like the character of Iden. I think she was really well written. Mm. Um I liked yeah, she was
0: really fleshed out some I liked of the her.
1: conflict that she had, you know, with her father and, and the stuff she was going through with that. So I I really did like her character a lot. Imperial or not, um I thought she was a really well written character. Mm-hmm.
0: So let's read some of these comments that we have here. So John Liang said, absolutely love the book, only wish I hadn't seen a promotional poster for the game beforehand for Aiden's team that only included her and a certain number of other characters. Wound up being a spoiler, still a great book though, can't wait to try my hand at the game. Does the game happen before or after this?
1: So the game happens after, so I could see what he's saying, although I wouldn't have just assumed because only certain characters were on the poster. That that means everybody else dies. Um, I still don't. I wouldn't have necessarily seen it as a spoiler, but once you read it and see, okay, now I know why only these three are left. Um, But yeah, so I can see what he's saying, but at the same time, I wouldn't have seen it as a spoiler. Yeah.
0: All right. I'm gonna read Amanda Reynolds. This was one of those books that I really didn't get into until the second act. As soon as they went undercover, things got interesting and I got invested. Right away, Sen was the character that I connected with most and was the character whom I was most invested in, making what happened to her all the more heartbreaking. Aiden would be the next character that I liked and is one that I hope to see more of beyond this book in the game. Since there is time between this book and the game, it would be wonderful to see a sequel to this book, perhaps one revolving around the mentor, By the way, I totally called who he was. Did you know before it was revealed? So we've kind of already covered that. I definitely didn't call it. Uh, I know, Erin, you, like we just said, you had kind of, that was one of the names that was bouncing around your head. What happened to Sen, because she was so young and she saw the death of somebody that she was starting to see as human and as a real person, she actually probably even fell in love with him, was so hard. When she gave herself away by responding in other languages, I was like, Oh, well crap. Uh,
1: I was
0: just like, geez. Yeah. You know. Oh, so hard.
1: Yeah, definitely. And even the whole the whole scene where they were trying to bomb like a school.
0: Mm, I know, and that really got like, to her too. Oof. She didn't like that.
1: Yeah, and that's good. Like and that's she was a character that I was starting to really uh come around on because you were starting to see that humanity where she was starting to realize that she was part of something that wasn't good. And that, you know, the Dreamers, Empire, everybody that was in this book were all doing really bad things in, you know, kind of uh, fighting this war in a way that a lot of innocent people were being killed. Mm -hmm. And so I was glad to see that somebody was kind of taking notice of that. Um, So I I really liked her character a lot.
0: Yeah, I did too. It was sad.
1: It was like, oh man, I really liked her and she died. I really liked... Pia Cao, and he died. It was like the characters that had, like, humanity in them were the ones that were actually dying, which I guess maybe that's what happens in in these type of wartime situations.
0: Yeah. Let's see. Who else do we have here?
1: So J.R. Eaton also made a comment agreeing with Amanda Reynolds. Um, he says, totally called it as well, especially after reading Rebel Rising not too long before. It was the first name that popped in my head. So he actually um like amanda and like myself and i think a couple other people was you know he knew that lux was the person and then dante uh, demille also gave us a comment he says i like the book just not as well as a lot of people seem to assuming spoilers are okay i expected the dreamers to be a decent sized organization but once inferno squad infiltrated them they already made up about a third of their organization i don't see how they could have really known that they would be recruited by the dreamers ...when there were so few of them in the first place. Then, with the mentor reveal, if you already knew of the character, you probably picked up on who it, was, who it was long before the reveal was made. If you didn't already know who he was, the reveal didn't matter to you at all. A few other minor quibbles aside, Christy Golden did a fantastic job with her characterizations. I want to be friends with Pia Cow, the Chadrafan, Sen's death was also done very well. So, yeah, Dante may, makes uh, a lot of the same points that we've already made. Um, but his thing about the Dreamers and thinking that maybe they were a bigger organization, I did think that the situations that brought um, Inferno Squad into being recruited into the Dreamers were a bit convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, that all yeah, kind of I would worked agree out with that. so perfectly. Uh, so, I kind of agree with Dante on that.
0: I agree with that and definitely with the mentors thing and there were a couple of other little, little things here and there. I still really don't understand the point of like the statue crystal people. Yeah. You know, Uh, I don't, I don't understand the importance of that or like what, why we needed to go there. I, it wasn't made very clear to me at least to understand what that was all about. And I expected there to be more depth to to that than there actually was completely agree. Uh, so, yeah. I thought yeah, there I, was like, I felt like for
1: <laughs> for that part um and for as strange as it was, I felt like there had to be a bigger payoff or some bigger thing, some bigger story about that. And maybe there was intention, maybe there was some intention that that would be deeper and she just didn't get around to it. But yeah, I was kind of like at the end with the statues like taking the bodies away, I was like this is this just got really weird.
0: It was very weird. It was a very odd thing to stick in there
1: that's why i feel like maybe there was more like Like, there was something else that she just didn't get to like yeah maybe there's more we'll find out later maybe it ties into something else um but yeah it was it did seem a little out of place at the end
0: So we have a couple more comments here. I'll take Bobby's. Bobby Gordon said, I try to read all the new canon, but up until now I've never played any of the games. This book, however, convinced me to buy a PlayStation 4, especially so that I can see these characters' journeys continue in Battlefront 2. How cool is that? PlayStation made some money. Uh, I don't know. I have the original Battlefront. I have a really hard time with first-person shooters. Like... (laughs) I don't know, I'm one of those people, I just need Mario all the time.
1: Yeah, um, I've, I've definitely gotten away from gaming, um, just as I've gotten more busy in life, uh, but Battlefront is a game I will definitely do, I, I played the, one, the first one that came out, um, I'm an Xbox gamer myself, but the Battlefront 2 I'm really excited about, and I'll probably play it for a few weeks, and then I'll put it away and move on, but I'm excited about it.
0: When does that game come out?
1: I think it's this month. Um, I'm not sure the exact date, but I think it's soon. I know they already did the beta, so some people have already played it, but I think it's coming I'll out. I'll
0: probably get it.
1: Yeah. So, um, And then the last comment here is from our friend Matt Rushing, He and he just says simply, I love this book. The moral ambiguity was so well done, as was the surprise character we got from the Clone Wars. So he was happy to see Lux, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, that's it for comments, and um, I think we, we covered most of it. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about from the book before we wrap up?
0: I was bummed there wasn't a love interest for Aiden, but whatever.
1: Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that. I th- it did seem like they were teasing at that at the beginning.
0: I don't know why I care about that. Maybe it's because yeah. I'm getting so much awesome Claudia Gray and Beth Revis and special hugs. Yeah, if, and this, I if just, this was I written as a YA more. novel, you would have gotten your love triangle.
1: <laughs> Yeah, probably.
0: Oh, a love triangle between Gideon, Dell, and Aiden.
1: Yeah. That would have been great. Yeah, I I, I definitely (laughs) could have seen it going that way, but for me personally, I'm glad it didn't. Um,
0: I mean, I'm glad we did get a little bit of love interest between Sin and that one dude.
1: Yeah, and that was cool, and it made sense for her character. I -hmm. think for Aiden, it wouldn't make sense for her to be distracted by something like that. Yeah, you're right, it wouldn't. I
0: also was really bummed that her mom died but also her dad had a moment of compassion in the fact that he revealed that her mom did know that she wasn't a traitor. I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah.
1: Because
0: when, when I found out that she died, I was like, oh no, that's terrible. Like, that's so awful.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of parent drama in this one, for sure. Yeah, parent oh. drama. And we get that in Leia of Princess of Alderaan as well it's Um, not
0: really it's parent drama (laughs) it's really not it's just the realistic world of a 16 year old girl i mean come on
1: (laughs) are you talking about princess of alderaan yes Uh, we'll talk about that when we cover that but yes there was a lot of drama
0: (laughs) it's not parent drama oh
1: we'll discuss we will discuss We,
0: we shall discuss
1: but for now we're gonna end this episode of star wars bookworms um, the, we do have coming up, though, we are going to review Leia the Princess of Alderaan. We're also going to review the Darth Vader comic. So, our next two episodes we actually have mapped out. So, these aren't like we might do it if we feel like it, like we usually say. We're actually going to review those two things next.
0: Committed.
1: What? But you can always find us on Twitter at Star Wars Bookworms. You can email us Bookworms at gmail.com. Facebook, facebook.com slash Star Wars Bookworms. You can join our Facebook group as well if you'd like to. Send us a request. And we will get you in there.
0: Just make sure you answer the questions because I have had to delete several requests because they've been sitting there for a while and people haven't actually gone and answered the actual questions that you have to answer to get in.
1: Yes. And you can find us on iTunes. You can also leave us a review over there. So if you listen to our show and you enjoy it, head over to iTunes and leave us a nice five-star review.
0: You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Ice Cold Penguin, and you can find Aaron. He is at A.V. Goins.
1: Yes, and until next time, keep on reading, and may the Force be with you.
0: Brat!
1: Stole it. I knew that's why you
0: did that. You took the whole ending so that you could steal it.